0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Hand to Hand in the Trenches, a missionary story podcast. I'm Caleb Hickam.
1: And I'm Kimberly Croker.
0: And we are your hosts for this episode of Hand to Hand.
1: Hand to Hand is a ministry outreach of Charity Baptist Tabernacle in Amarillo, Texas.
0: And Hand to Hand is a missionary story podcast that tells the true stories of Christians around the world who have hazarded their lives for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Hello there, thanks for tuning in. This is season one, episode number seven. And this week we'll be starting the Baptist missionary story of John Morrison Birch.
1: To begin this exciting story about John's life as a missionary, patriot, and spy, we'll first have to spend a little bit of time talking about his early childhood.
0: Yeah, John's parents, George and Ethel Birch, met while they were both serving at the Berry Schools in North Georgia. Before the two had ever met, they had both already volunteered for foreign missions.
1: They married on September the 12th of 1917. Immediately after their honeymoon, they left to serve the Lord in India.
0: John was born on May the 28th of 1918 within sight of the snow-capped Himalayan mountains of India, where his parents were serving as Presbyterian missionaries. Relax, Kim. The story's just getting started, all right? (laughs) So they were they were both serving as Presbyterian missionaries. God added to the Birch family again in India two years later when John's brother, Ellis, was born.
1: Now, shortly after Ellis was born, the Birch family had to return to the States because George had reoccurring bouts with malaria. The doctors had warned George that if he stayed, he wouldn't live much longer. So... With heavy hearts, they left and returned to America.
0: From the deck of the USS Monrovia in Boston Harbor, John glimpsed America for the first time in his young life.
1: As a little boy, John was incredibly smart. At the age of only seven, he could read as well as most adults. He enjoyed reading books like Pilgrim's Progress and... Colbert's story of the Bible.
0: Because, by now, John had another little brother, George Stanley, and a sister, Betty, John's Aunt May, a teacher, helped with his school and taught him many great lessons.
1: Now, John, remember, when there's a difference between God's word and man's word, you always believe the Bible. Yes, ma'am.
0: This was the conviction that John's family had. So, it caused the family great concern when around the time John was seven years old, their Presbyterian church got a modernist preacher.
1: During the roaring 20s, traditional biblical morals were crumbling. The modernistic preachers reduced biblical miracles to natural occurrences They taught that the biblical account of creation had to be reconciled with the new theory of evolution. They taught that Jesus was only a great teacher who had died a martyr's death. And, of course, to justify all of this, they ridiculed the infallibility of the Bible.
0: So... The Birch family left their Presbyterian church. Do you remember I told you to relax, Kim?
1: Uh, You did. I should have listened. All right, all
0: right. So, the Birch family left their Presbyterian church, and because they believed the Bible, do you want to guess where they went to church?
1: Um, Let's see, Catholic?
0: No, it wasn't the Catholic. (laughs) They they became Baptists, and they began attending the West Baptist Church. During a service not long after they started going there, young John came under conviction of the Holy Spirit.
1: And it's interesting to me that it was after he got in a Baptist church. That's true. Anyway, he later testified that he was burdened with his sin and would go to bed at night scared to go to sleep, afraid he would die before he woke.
2: Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way to be saved except to believe the gospel that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was buried, and after three days, he arose again. You've never been born again. Please come now. And folks, tonight is a very important time, a time to make a decision. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you've never been born again, Come forward. Come forward and receive Christ as your Savior today. Let God have his way in your heart. Young man, why are you crying?
3: Sir, I need to be saved. I believe that you just died for my sins. I trust him to forgive me and to save me.
0: Not long after that, when John was 11 years old, A missionary to Brazil came to visit West Baptist Church and preached about the great need for people to go to the mission field.
1: He told a story about meeting a tribe of Indians in southern Brazil. He told how he was afraid for his life, but after telling the Indians that he had come with good news from the Maker of the World, that the Indians put down their spears, and listened to the gospel.
0: Then the missionary told a story of how one night, while he was staying with the Indians and sleeping in a teepee, he woke up in the middle of the night by a piercing scream. And when he asked what was the matter, he was told that it was called the Death wail. The Death Whale basically meant that someone in the camp had died And his spirit had been captured by
2: demons.
1: A few days later, John's parents found a note on the living room table.
3: The Lord is calling me to the mission field. have the answer to the death well of the lost.
0: In early 1934, George's parents had died and left him and his two sisters 500 acres of land near Macon, Georgia.
1: With seven children, it was a huge blessing to the Brooch family to finally have their own home, but it needed a lot of work, and George couldn't afford to lose any time from work.
0: So, John put off attending nearby Mercer University for a year so he and his brother Ellis could go ahead of the family to do the much needed repairs.
1: In that fall, John received ministerial scholarships and his Aunt May paid the remaining balance so that John could attend the college at Mercer University.
0: It was at Mercer that John faced his own battles on biblical conviction. John had seen his parents take a stand on the Bible from leaving the Presbyterian Church to George quitting his teaching job at the Berry schools in North Georgia because he and Ethel had refused to chaperone a dance for the young people.
4: Ethel, Miss Berry wants us to chaperone the dance Friday evening. You know how I feel about dancing. Yes, dear. It's just hugging set to music. What are you going to do? Well, all the Ford 1000000s millions can't make me do something I feel is wrong, so I guess I'll just have to find a new job. So,
1: having been raised to stand on your beliefs with that much conviction, and to trust God that it will all work together for good, it was time to see if they were truly his convictions or just his parents.
0: Mercer University was one of about 40 Southern Baptist colleges operated by the various Baptist state conventions. The law school at Mercer was especially outstanding, but the religious aspect at Mercer wasn't so highly regarded in some conservative Baptist circles.
1: Undercurrents of criticism had circulated for many years among conservative Southern Baptist pastors that Mercer tolerated worldliness in their student body.
0: Not only that, But some of the faculty was teaching questionable things, if not things, completely against the Bible. And the strongest criticism came from some Macon Baptist pastors.
1: But John did very well at school. He was a very smart young man, and he was always near the top of his class. And when it came to the debate team, he just shined, let me tell you. He could take one side of the argument and argue it, and win, and then he could turn right around, take the opposite stand, and win again.
0: During school, John helped to fill the pulpit for a church in Augusta, Georgia, until their new pastor arrived. And after that, at the beginning of his senior year, he was called to his first pastorate. A small church, Benevolence Baptist Church, had long relied on Mercer seniors to serve as their pastor. The young preacher were able to get years' worth of experience and the little church would have a pastor.
1: John also participated in a weekly Bible study with a group of about 20 other students. On Saturday afternoons, the group would hold street meetings downtown. They would sew the area with gospel tracts and then invite shoppers to their sidewalk meeting.
0: It was during his senior year that John would have to decide whether to stay in good standing with the school in order to graduate with the best grades or to expose the liberal teachings and practices at Mercer University.
5: Mother, I need to ask your advice on something at school.
4: What is it, John? What's bothering you?
5: Well, I haven't said much of anything, but many of the students that I'm helping study for exams have mentioned that they aren't getting sound Bible teaching in the classroom.
4: What do you mean?
5: Well, Dr. John Freeman in the religion department has said things like, the Bible contains contradictions. He's very liberal. My Bible study fellowship is talking about exposing him to the Georgia Baptist Convention.
4: Remember, he is a teacher, and we should respect those who have authority over us.
5: Yes, you're right. I don't think I'll join in any protest or witch hunt.
0: John's decision was partially due to the fact that he was afraid any involvement in a protest would hurt his academic standing. As we already mentioned, he was determined to graduate with the highest grades in his class.
1: Reed Lunsford, the leader of the Bible Study Fellowship, thought that the Bible Study Group should seek official recognition on campus. He asked John to go with him to meet with the school president, President Dowell.
0: President Dowell was uneasy about the Bible Study Fellowship. He suspected that it was linked to some of the Macon Baptist pastors who had been complaining for years about the liberal teaching, dancing, drinking, and gambling on the campus of Mercer. He was also nervous That the South's most famous heresy hunter, Pastor J. Frank Norris of Fort Worth, Texas, might get wind of it.
1: J. Frank Norris pastored in Fort Worth, Texas, and also another church in Detroit. He preached revivals across the country. He was a fierce preacher who a lot of folks loved, and still others, many others hated. He made a lot of trouble for places like Mercer University.
6: President Dow, we would like to have our study group officially recognized here at Mercer. Our members are all good, hard-working
3: students, one of which is John here. Well, gentlemen, you are wonderful students. You will need a charter and a doctrinal statement. Yes, sir. We will schedule another meeting when you have these things in order.
0: The two young men consulted with their group and returned with a typed list of beliefs that all the members of the fellowship agreed upon.
3: Well, gentlemen, there are a few things that some people on campus may find a bit offensive. It is your group, but to be recognized by Mercer, you might want to be a little more inclusive.
6: Dr. Dell? I'm not sure how anyone could disagree. These were all adopted by the Southern Baptist Convention in 1925.
3: Ah, well, you will... You will have to obtain the signatures of the faculty members of the religion department.
1: They talked with each of the professors and then met again with President Dow.
3: Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing since we last met?
6: Well, sir, not bad. Not too bad, but we couldn't get Dr. Freeman in the religion department to sign. He refused.
3: Well, that is his prerogative. So what does that mean for the Bible Study Fellowship? Well, clearly your organization cannot be certified. But, sir... I am sorry, but that is all I can do.
0: Not long after their meeting, Dr. J. Frank Norris was preaching through South Georgia,
2: and John went to hear him. Here in 2 Kings 18, God gave a great revival when Elijah battled the pagan prophets. We can know the same kind of revival right here in Georgia if God's people will get on their knees and repent of their sins.
1: The next evening, John went back to hear the message. The sermon centered on the mission work being done in China. Norris told of the mission work that Fred Donaldson was doing and the report that he gave about China, how God was moving even though China was under heavy attack from Japan.
0: He also told about Mother Sweet, an old missionary woman whose husband had died serving in China way back in 1917. And that she had stayed where the Lord had called her and her husband, that she was now helping missionary Fred Donaldson and his family. She was 75 years of age and getting
2: mighty feeble. The Chinese are so hungry for God, they'll receive a young man with open arms. Is there a red blooded young man here who loves God and is willing to go? And help this dear saint, one will go, knowing he might be killed by a Japanese bomb or die of disease before he's 30. Respond to the invitation that the Lord has spoken to you.
5: Sir, I'm willing to go. Write to me, young man.
1: At the next fellowship meeting, John made a confession to his friends.
5: I've been weak in my stand for the Lord. I have been convicted. I knew there was modernism here at Mercer, but I was so concerned with my own reputation and making good grades that I was too much of a coward to speak up. I'm going to stand for righteousness, even if I'm expelled.
6: What we need to do first is have Dr. Freeman investigated. You know, the Georgia Baptist Convention has appointed a committee to check out teaching at Baptist schools.
0: Well... Let's write to them. Yeah, that's a great idea.
6: We need to expose this heresy. I'll write a letter to tell them how Dr. Freeman and some of the other teachers have said that Adam and Eve were mythical, that Christ's death is not necessary for salvation, the Bible contradicts itself, and the writers of the scripture were shackled by the superstitions of their time. There is
5: so much sin going on in the dormitories. The Greek Letter Society is even campaigning that all students be required to take the Wasserman blood test for diagnosis of syphilis.
6: How many of you will sign this letter?
0: In all, only 13 members of the group agreed to sign the letter. When the committee received the student's letter, one of them came to investigate. President Dowell dismissed the complaints. He said that these students belonged to a secret society of heresy hunters and that they were irresponsible, and that they did not represent the student body at all.
1: Reed Lunsford, John, and the others were called to meet with Dr. Dow. He was angry about the letter they had sent.
3: You must dissolve your illegal fellowship immediately, and you must never go outside university channels again to seek redress of your grievances. You come to me and the trustees. You are hurting the reputation of this university. No, sir. We are trying to
5: help Mercer. We need a revival on this campus. There is immorality
3: tolerated everywhere. Calm down, young man. There may be a little gambling and drinking as there will be at any campus. We cannot police the dormitories 24-7. I'm warning you and your friends to stop or you could face dire consequences.
0: John and the others felt that Dr. Dow was threatening them with expulsion if they pursued the matter.
1: Reed had told some of the local pastors about the situation, and they suggested that the students should take their case directly to the Baptist preachers of the state.
0: They typed up the allegations and prepared to mail them to the Baptist pastors all over the state of Georgia. But... Before they did, they decided to go and talk to Dr. Dowell one more time. They read him the charges and revealed their plan to mail them to the pastors if the president didn't act.
1: They agreed that if Dr. Freeman would resign, they would drop the charges. Dr. Dowell told the group to present Dr. Freeman with the option, and if he chose to resign... He would accept the terms.
0: The group felt that it was not their place to confront Dr. Freeman with resignation, so for a couple of weeks, nothing was done. Then, on March the 22nd, the affidavits were mailed to 800 pastors. What followed was compared in New York City's newspapers to the famous Scopes Monkey Trial over the teaching of evolution in Tennessee. Macon, Georgia, was dubbed another monkey town.
1: Six trustees were elected to hold the hearing for the 13 students and the five accused professors. Macon police even had to be called to disperse the rioting crowds that were waiting outside to hear word from the hearing.
0: The Committee on the Inquiry exonerated the science and English professors on all counts and they decided that Dr. Freeman had only made some mistakes, and they recommended that the charges be ignored.
1: O.P. Gilbert, editor of the Georgia Baptist newspaper named the Christian Index, had a private meeting with President Dow, after which Dr. Freeman agreed to resign.
0: Then... J. Frank Norris, who had been blamed for instigating the whole affair, entered the fray. He asked John to rent the Macon Auditorium for the dates of May 2nd through May the 4th and to prepare testimony against the professors.
3: Good morning, John. Good morning, sir. John, I'm going to get right to the point. We cannot have Norris come here and cause more trouble. Call him and tell him not to come, cancel the meeting, or else I warn you, you will not graduate. No, sir. I
5: gave Dr. Norris my word, and I'll keep it, whether you give me my diploma or not. Is that all, sir?
0: Dr. Norris advised the Birch family to challenge the university to expel John.
2: If he proceeds with his Haman Act, it'll be his hand. We'll unmask Mercer University.
1: J. Frank Norris never explained why, but he decided not to come after all. John graduated magna cum laude. Few students even offered their congratulations to him.
0: After graduation, John enrolled in J. Frank Norris's newly formed Fundamental Baptist Institute in Fort Worth, Texas. He began doing the work of an evangelist, preaching in many churches across the country.
1: At one meeting in New York, a pastor told of a classmate at Moody Bible Institute, John Stan, who was a missionary to China. The communists kidnapped him and his wife, Betty, and their little baby. The mission refused to pay the ransom, so the communists cut off their heads and also the head of the doctor who tried to intervene. Only the little baby survived.
2: Have you considered that you may also be killed by the communists? Not only that, but now China is at war with Japan. Sure, I've thought of that.
5: But the Lord has called me and my life is in His hands. By God's grace, I'll not be turning back.
0: The Independent Baptist Missionary Family in China the Donaldsons, wrote Dr. North a letter in January of 1940 asking for help in building a meeting house big enough for all the refugees that were pouring into Shanghai. John and his new classmate, Oscar Wells, who was also called to be a missionary to China, were ready to go.
1: But they were told that there wasn't enough money to send them at this time. The World Fundamental Baptist Missionary Fellowship already had 15 missionaries on the field and not enough support for John and Oscar.
0: But they prayed, and by April of 1940, God had provided the money. They graduated a month later. Then John took a short vacation to say goodbye to his family.
4: Son, we are so pleased. You know that we will be praying for you.
0: I
5: love you, Mom and Dad. Thank you. I'll write to you as soon as I get there. (laughs)
4: he'll be fine mother the lord is his protector I know I wouldn't hold him back for anything it's just so hard not knowing when we'll see him again
6: well we're going
0: to go ahead and end the story with that for this week Uh, we hope you come back next week and we'll pick it up from here as John and Oscar take off for China. But, until then, we want to leave you with this scripture.
6: Philippians 1, verse 29. For unto you it is given, in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake.